The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk. I'll be your moderator for today's show, and I'm joined, as always, by co-authors Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. They are our experts in management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can really make a difference in your organization. So today's topic for discussion is set the right expectations and ask the right questions. This is described in Chapter 17 and 18 of Managing to Make a Difference, and I'm really excited about this topic. Just in some of our prep meetings, it's, um, it is a hot topic and a lot to discuss today. So um, I've always been future-facing my entire life. It just rings true for me. Larry, what comes to mind when you think of setting the right expectations and asking the right questions? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is what's known as the Pygmalion effect. And for those of you who want to Google Pygmalion, it's spelled P-Y-G-M-A-L-I-O-N. And the Pygmalion effect essentially has proven empirically that the expectations of an authority figure, like a teacher, a parent, a coach, or in our case, a manager, that the expectations of an authority figure do in fact impact the way the people behave and how much they achieve. And many of our listeners will have read stories of teachers who go into schools in the inner city which are disadvantaged and in a variety of ways and people have almost given up on the students and then the one teacher comes in who Uh, in the first class just says, no, I know you can achieve. And by the way, everybody in here is going to go to college. I know you're capable of it. And indeed, that has happened on numerous occasions. So this has been established experimentally. It's been established simply by observation that it happens. It's called a Pygmalion effect. So what all our listeners need to know is as a manager, Your expectations make a difference to how your team performs. If you expect people to be dumb, lazy, and dishonest, you will get more of that behavior. If you expect people to be smart and be ethical and be role models in their community, you will get more of that behavior. And and the story I'm going to tell is entitled The Incredible Banquet Department, and it contains both the magic of expectations and the magic of asking the right question. This occurred when I was a general manager of a Ritz-Carlton Tyson's Corner, and the head of the banquet department was an incredible leader and manager by, by the name of Julie Neighborhouse. And Julie, I hope at some point you're listening to this I loved working with you, and I admire you. We were presented with a a wonderful problem. The banquet department performed with excellence in this hotel, and this hotel's business model, our revenue, our profits, were driven by having conferences and meetings, and everybody has banquets. So the banquet department was central to the success of the hotel both financially and non-financially, and Julie was the leader of the department. She did an unbelievable job, and they were performing at a high level of excellence, and we are often confronted in management with, okay, we've got a team who's performing incredibly well. How do I get them to perform better? And in many cases, the manager focuses on that gap between, even though they performed well, they still could have done better. And the manager tries to deliver that message without raining on everybody's parade for the for the great performance that they delivered, but get them to know, hey, we can't be satisfied. 
we can do better than that. And we came up with a great, a great way to do that. And that was when they had once again blown all the guests away with the great service and things were done and they were having their next meeting the next day, their departmental meeting. As a general manager, I would visit and I would say to these people, uh, you guys are unbelievable. You are geniuses. I can't wait to see what you do next. And that, I, it's not actually a question, but it serves, it serves as a question. What will you do next? I can't wait to see what you do next. So I was placing an expectation on them, but the expectation was a very, very positive, uh, supportive expectation that I simply believed that we hadn't seen the best, that the best was yet to come. And it really worked. These people in a different uh, time, if I'm having a, a cup of coffee with anybody who's listening and you want to hear some stories about the unbelievable things that these people accomplished as a team under the leadership of Julie Neighborhouse, I'll be happy to tell you because there are numerous stories. Uh, so that's a story about expectations. Even for a team that's performing well, how do you place an expectation that doesn't make them feel bad? And that's the way you do it. Kim, when you think about those expectations, um, when you think about setting expectations, uh, one of the things that comes to my mind is uh, whose role is it to set the expectations? Is it the manager's role? And yes, the overriding answer is yes to that question. But it, it, is there also a responsibility on the individual performer that is serving underneath the manager's role to help set those expectations or guide them or suggest what is important to them so that the expectations meet their expectations as well? That's a great question, Kim. And I think it depends. You know, it kind of depends on the person. Some people really want to hear what you as the manager expect of them so they clearly understand what they need to deliver. Some people want to take a lot more ownership in that process because they're excited about the things they see that they could do, and they want to share those with you as their manager and get you on board with expectations that allow them to do those things that they're excited about. And so in some ways, you you want to gauge it by the person you're dealing with and in others, as a manager, you might want to push that envelope a little bit and ask the right questions that give people the opportunity to talk to you about what are the things that they're excited about that they would like to be part of your expectation. Yes, and I'd like to add to that the manager's expectations or the coach or the parent or the whoever, the expectations must be based on the absolute belief that people, that the person or the team you're talking to is capable of fulfilling those expectations. Because you just can't place generic expectations on any group of people and expect those expectations to produce the outcomes you would like to produce. You really have to believe it. And I am here to tell you, you cannot fool people. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how little education they've had. I don't care. You cannot fool them. They know whether you believe in your heart of hearts that they're really capable of achieving the expectations you're articulating or not. You know, I've there talked about actually my- research on that, that, that coaches, teachers who have high expectations for people it's not about what you say. It's communicated in everything you do. And so if you're high and if you really believe that people can succeed, you're high to the level of your high expectations, you're going to behave differently with people than if you don't. When you really believe they can succeed, you're going to create a better climate with them, just the vibes, they're going to feel that you believe in them. You're going to nod more when they're talking. You're going to maybe touch them on the shoulder or give them an encouraging smile when they're struggling to come up with an answer. 
um, you're going to take more of your time and effort to teach and coach them than you will for someone who you really don't believe is going to succeed. Um, You're going to provide more opportunities for them, give them more chances to succeed, and you're going to give them personal feedback that's, that's very specific to how they can come closer and better approximate your expectations for them. And all those things are things you really can't control. You just do them naturally because you really believe that this person can achieve your high expectation. And if you really believe that they can't, you're not going to do any of those things and they're going to feel the difference. And when you believe, as you just described, you're making a significant deposit in someone's emotional bank account. It shows a great deal of regard for somebody when you set high expectations that you believe they can accomplish as opposed to merely accepting mediocrity. At what that communicates to somebody is you just don't think they can do much better than that. And so you're not going to ask more of them. So there, that, that element runs through everything Kim Turnage just said. And I, while you were talking, Kim, I was reminded of an interaction. It was kind of an ongoing interaction. It wasn't just one event. When I was coaching a young consultant here at Talent Plus, she was maybe 23 or 24 years old. She was beautiful. She was blonde. Uh, she was young. And she had to get up in front of a group of seasoned managers, uh, some of whom were twice her age, and teach them some things and do some consulting with them and gain credibility with them. And and I think she uh, showed some self-awareness of saying, you know what, here I am, this is me. I'm young, I'm blonde, and uh, I'm worried these people aren't going to take me very seriously. And, you know, she was, I think, appropriately uh, uh, aware that that was going to be an issue. And I'm just remembering that I said to her, yeah, I get that. I, I'm not going to tell you that's not going to be a, something you have to overcome. But all of us have things we have to overcome where people will judge us pretty quickly uh, based on our appearance, our body language, etc. And I said, don't you worry about it. You know your material. You know your stuff. Just get up there act with confidence and go and teach these people and respond to their questions. Do it with confidence that you have well earned and you will find that while there might be some initial skepticism, you will quite quickly win them over. And indeed, that's what happened. And over a period of a couple of months, when she would go out to teach seminars and do consulting, uh, her concern went away. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back with more insight from Larry and Kim. They are the authors of Managing to Make a Difference. Uh, If you'll remember, this book was released this spring, and you can purchase your copies online at 800ceoreads.com. And if you want copies for your corporate event, you can even customize them to your company branding. So consider not just reading it for yourself, but also for your entire management team. And stay tuned for more insight on setting the right expectations. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. 
At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We have been talking today about some thoughts from Chapter 17 and 18 in the book, Managing to Make a Difference. Um, today's chapter is entitled, Set the Right Expectations, and then we'll move into Ask the Right Questions as well. So um, in the first segment, in case you're just joining us, one of the things we talked about is how important setting those expectations really impact behavior and how much the people that um, report to you really um, achieve based on those expectations. So um, I know that in the book, one of my favorite parts of the book is that they have an actual experiment that you can try with each chapter. And um, Larry, would you like to share with us a little bit about that? Sure. The purpose of the experiment is to give people guidance about, great, I I just learned this, so what? What do I do about it? How do I apply it in my workplace? And that's what the experiment is. And the experiment at the end of this chapter has six steps. Step one, think about the potential of each employee on your team. That's number two. What gifts does each person have? Each person has different gifts, and that's what gives them their potential. How can they use those gifts to make their best contributions to the team? Then give them something to live up to. And this is one by one. Articulate some expectations in a positive way. And remember that banquet story. It's it's possible to do. And make sure, as we said, that you sincerely believe that they can do this. It, it Hopefully it's not easy. Hopefully they have to strive, they have to stretch but you really believe that they can do it. And then uh, the final step of that experiment is see what happens. I love that experiment. And one of the things I love about it is that it starts with questions. So, you know, there's questions about what makes these people unique? What can they do? What do I believe they can do that I haven't seen yet? And then how do I set the expectations so they have the opportunity to deliver? I think as we as we kind of end out talking about setting the right expectations, it might be useful to just invite our listeners to reflect on when someone's done that for, for them. You know, think about a time when somebody articulated an expectation for you, when they asked you to live up to your potential, maybe in a way that you wouldn't have thought of on your own. And how did that expectation influence your effort, your motivation, and ultimately your performance relative to that expectation. Reflecting on that might help you think about the impact that you can have as a manager with the people that you manage. You know, it brings to mind a story literally from last night. My son plays baseball pretty competitively, and I was at his hitting practice just waiting for him to come out with the windows rolled down. And they finished up practice on time, and we were going to watch the, the finals. Um, this this will be taped later, so they may or may not be going on when you actually hear this, but that's what we were headed home to do. But they stood there for 15 minutes, and his coach has a booming voice, so you cannot miss it when he is talking. Now, I couldn't tell exactly what he was saying, but I heard this booming voice, and it went on for 15 minutes. So my son gets in the car, and I said, what exactly was Coach Travis talking to you about? And he said, you know, he just said, get out there and do your job. 
And I said, was he yelling about it? Was he coaching you? Was it inspirational? Was it defeating? He said, that's exactly what I needed to hear, Mom. That is That makes me do better when I just think about going out there and doing my job. And if every one of us does it, then we lift the entire team up. And so that's a real life, very practical example that literally happened in my life last night. And when when those things are articulated, just like you said, Kim, in perhaps a way that aren't articulated every single day, but tweaks something within you, it, it makes you rise to the occasion. Absolutely. Nate, terrific story. Thank you very much. Why don't we move into that chapter on asking the right questions. The right, asking questions is an art. Ask any physician. They're going to ask, as you as the patient, they're going to ask you a series of questions. Ask anybody in the world of journalism. They're going to ask a series of questions. And there's a reason that um, Larry King had such a great career. There's a reason that Charlie Rose had such a great career because they were extremely gifted at figuring out great questions to ask people. And one of my favorite things about a great question is that a great question can help a person grow even if they never find the answer to that question. Sometimes the struggle to find an answer, the commitment to find an answer, creates more learning and growth than when the answer to a question is finally found. For instance, here's here's a question that every person can ask themselves and they can, which is, why am I here? How can I make a difference in the world? And you might well be able to answer that question. But if even if a person can't answer the question, if they decide that they're going to search for the answer while they're moving through their job, they're moving through their day, if they decide they're going to search for that answer, that can possibly result in a lot of growth. So asking the right questions can make great contributions to individuals and to teams. And the, the form of that question is where the art is. It's too often, you, you know, the way you ask the question has a lot of influence on the answer you're going to get. And too often we limit the we limit the choices. We ask a question in a way that maybe is an either or or a yes, no, that it's, it's more of a question that pick one of my options then it is a really broad, open-ended question that allows people to discover something as they answer it. You know, that's related to a, a well-known shift that uh, Vince Lombardi, the legendary football coach, uh, made at a time when Teams would watch films. They didn't have videos back when Vince Lombardi was coaching. They had films. And they would review films uh, of the game, and teams focused on the, the broken plays. What, what did we do wrong? And that's what they were looking for so they could correct them. And, and at one point, Lombardi said, no, nah, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to look at the plays that went right so we can ask the question, what made that Why did we do so well there? What made that succeed? And that will give us better information about what we can duplicate in our next practice, in our next game, because that's demonstrating something we know works. It's a different question. Instead of asking what went wrong, we ask what went right. And we can do that. We can apply this to a lot. So that's just an example of what Kim said, and I'm going to rephrase it. The kind of question you ask controls the kind of answer you get. If you ask questions related to solving problems, you will get answers related to solving problems. If you ask questions related to accomplishing your goals, you'll get answers related to accomplishing your goals. And the two could be very, 
very different different things. So that's what we're talking about here. And one of the things that yeah, dawns I, on me. I'm sorry, Kim, go ahead. I apologize. I, I like that distinction, Larry, because sometimes solving the problem doesn't help you reach your goal. You you got to focus on what's really going to help you reach your goal. And if you're solving a problem that doesn't actually impact your ability to reach your goal, you're not making any progress. You have to ask the right questions. Absolutely. And I, I see that we have just a couple of minutes before our break, but when we come back, I want to tell a story that I think powerfully illustrates exactly the point you just made, the distinction between focusing on, on finding answers to problems and focusing on finding answers to how to accomplish a goal. We do hope before we take our break that you will visit our website. It's managedtomakeadifference.com. And there you're going to find additional materials and exercises that actually go along with all the topics we're talking about during the podcast, as well as all the information you need to order books for your team. So we do hope you'll do that. And if you have questions for us, one of the biggest things we want to do is be here as a resource to you with all of your management questions. So please don't hesitate to go ahead and reach out to us. You can actually just click that email host button just above the podcast description and we'll work any of those questions and the answers that we have for you into future podcasts. So we appreciate so much that you are taking your time to listen and to learn about managing to make a difference in your own life and in your own organization. And we really want to welcome you to continue the conversation. Uh, We're listening and we want to answer the questions that are best for you. And um, I'm going to leave us with just one thought. You know, my, my past career was in journalism, and I was a television journalist for some time. And uh, it never failed that the last question I would ask any interviewee, whether they were, whether it was a politician that had maybe a difficult situation we had to address or a family who had just lost a family member, the very last question I always asked was, is there anything else you would like to add? And 95% of the time, those were the very best answers. That's where I took my sound bites from because people had the freedom to tell their own side of the story. And it's something to consider, I think, even in the management situation. Um, definitely hit the topics that you need to, but leave an open-ended question for someone to answer gives them allows them to feel empowered to say what they need to say. So with that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to hear another story from Managing to Make a Difference. Thanks for joining us. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
Welcome back and thanks so much for joining us today for Managing to Make a Difference. We've been talking today about chapters 17 and 18 in the book Managing to Make a Difference. It's set the right expectations and ask the right questions. So these are just two of the chapters from this recently released book and you can order your copies today on managetomakeadifference.com. We hope that you read it for yourself but we also hope that you share it with your entire team. We think it's great advice and Um, In the last break, we talked a lot about asking the right question and how sometimes even just the commitment to find an answer can create great learning and growth for people. And Larry, you you shared that you had a great example to share with us. I do. This is a hypothetical story, not an actual story, but it's an illustration of the power of asking the right question. And here's the hypothetical. I want you to imagine that you're a sales professional. And you have the opportunity to close the biggest sale of your career. And in order to do this, you have to appear at lunch with the prospect in a city that's about, say, three, four hundred miles away from your office. And you're going to drive there. So those are the those are the facts of the hypothetical. You've got to show up. You've got to show up at 1 p.m. That's the other fact. You've got, you got if you are late. The deal is gone. So you are on your way. You're driving. You're looking forward to this. It's a big event in your life. And you have a flat tire in the middle of nowhere. And you do not have a spare for whatever reason. So you have a problem. Now, you can ask questions related to solving this problem. And you may or may not get to that meeting by 1 p.m. If you ask a different question, however, a question related to accomplishing your goal, every person listening gets to the meeting. What's the different question? The question is, hey, my car is broken down. I have to get to that meeting place by 1 p.m. How am I going to get there? And every single person will get to that meeting if you ask that question. If you ask questions related to solving your problem, namely that your car is broken down, you may not get to the meeting. So again, asking the right question can open up creative possibilities that wouldn't present themselves to you if you just focused on solving your problem, the one that's in front of your face. And and if the sale is big enough and your commission is big enough, you may never have to solve that problem. You can buy a new car. So uh, that's just something to think about. In the course of managing somebody, part of your responsibility is coaching. And in the course of coaching, you may have the opportunity to review with somebody their performance in a certain situation. We were just talking about sales and maybe I'm the sales manager and you're the sales rep and I just went on a call with you and I basically sat and watched and contributed very little and I'm gonna review your performance with you or I've just taught you how to teach a particular seminar and I'm going to sit there and watch you teach the seminar and critique your performance or whatever it might be. How do you review performance with somebody by asking the right questions. Uh, and this is uh, an experiment in the book, and I'm going to review this with you because what I have found is this really works. I didn't think this up. I learned it from somebody, and it has it served me well for many, many years in my career in reviewing somebody's performance. So the first question you ask, and you're one-on-one, You've done something and now you're going to sit and have a drink and review how it went. The first thing you say is, how do you think you did? This is a very open-ended question. Really, it's just to get the conversation flowing and you get sort of a sense of how the person feels about how they did. So, Larry, can I jump in on that one? I love that question because I think that as the manager, too often... You think that your job in reviewing performance is to tell the person how you think they did. And this turns that around completely. 
Yes, and when and when the manager starts telling, they focus on all the things that the person did wrong, and they often overwhelm the person. They're just, oh, you know, you did this, you did this, you did this, and they overwhelm the person. So you're right. These are very positive questions. So the next question, you get the answer. You make a note of it. And the next question is, did anything surprise you? This is a question that they're not expecting to hear. The question is a surprise. And it often elicits, again, the kind of question you ask controls the kind of answer you get. It often elicits some very valuable information, whether it's the information about the person or information about the situation. Uh, it, 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 you'd be, it, it, it's really cool what can come out when you ask somebody that question. And then, to Kim's point, whether it's the manager or the employee, when they're reviewing their performance, they want to start with what didn't go well. What did they do wrong? Because that's the way we've been socialized. But the next question doesn't get there yet. What went well and why? People always want to focus on what didn't go well. There's more to be learned when you focus on what did go well, because then you can make some notes, whether they're mental or physical notes, about how to do that again. You know, because you're asking, why did that go so well? Why was that successful? And you're doing a root cause analysis of success. And that gives people repeatable behavior. Whereas if I say, don't do this, okay, I can not do that, but it doesn't tell me what I should do in order to be successful. So you're intentionally avoiding jumping right into what didn't go right. Then, after all of that, you ask the person what didn't go so well and why. And they get there. So you don't, uh, you don't ignore that. You just don't start with it. You insist that people focus on these other questions first. Then you, you find didn't go well. And then what lessons did you learn? And then the final question, what will you do differently in the future to improve your performance and why? Nowhere in this critique did I use the word wrong. The word wrong just makes people shrivel up into a fetal position. Um, and you don't have to use it, as you can see. What would you do differently to improve your performance? Now, here's the magic of this. And again, I remind you, I did not create these questions. I learned them from somebody who was a brilliant and gifted teacher and coach. And the the genius of these questions is that by the time the, the person being coached answers those questions, there may be nothing left for you as the manager to talk about in terms of telling them to do this differently or that differently, et cetera, because they would have identified it already. It's amazing how much you thought you might want to say will be said by the learner. And I will tell you that this has much more power when the learner says it rather than when the coach says it. If the learner says it, believe me, it gets home to them. And it's really powerful, much more than the coach says it. And you, the manager, the coach, you always have the prerogative when you're all done with answering those questions. If there are still one or two things that you think are very important to point out, you never lose your opportunity to point them out. That's when you do it. But you will find that if you, if you use this approach to reviewing somebody's performance, that there will be very little that you have to do. You might just want to emphasize, you know, I think the most important thing is you said this. And so that will, will be emphasized in their mind. But uh, you as a manager, you're doing a lot of on-the-job training. You're coaching every day. You're watching your people do their thing. And in real time, you want to coach them. If you keep this approach in mind, you will find that people get better faster. Kim, we're going to take a break before too long, but before we do that, in terms of thinking of those questions and the coaching that you've done in your past, what what comes to mind for you? 
Well, the why is one of the most important pieces of that. I mean, I love the, the whole thing, the structure of it, the focus on the positive, but the why drives people deeper than they would if you let them stay on the surface. And I think that provides some of that most powerful learning. It forces them to struggle beyond what happened to why did it happen so I can take control of those circumstances in the future. And it's going to improve their performance. I know you've done a lot of coaching for improved performance, and I know you have many examples probably racing through your mind now, Larry, as well, do you think, of of anything when it comes to that performance review element? Astonishingly, in this particular situation, no particular no particular incident is coming to mind, but I remember when I learned this, how it really changed, how it really empowered me to be more helpful to people in how I intervened to help them improve their performance. That's what I remember most. Well, great. Yeah, I'll we, say, Kim, when I, when I have a kid come off the track from a hurdles race, the first question I asked is, how, how'd your race go? Because I want to hear what they think. I can't coach them from a place that they aren't. I need to coach them from the place that they are, and I need to know where they're starting off. That's an outstanding point. Um, just just knowing your people, knowing their mindset, where they're coming into it, it is, is such a benefit. Um, mm-hmm. And I love, I love that idea. But we're going to take a quick break. Uh, just a reminder to visit our microsite at managetomakeadifference.com. But we'll take a quick break and be right back for our final segment today. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We've, um, we're just really excited that you joined us today. We've had a great discussion about um, setting the right expectations and then asking the right questions. And in this last segment... We really touched on, boy, the why and why um, asking the question why drives them deeper. Um, performance review, um, asking people how do you think that you did and what would you do differently and why. So I really encourage you, if you're just joining us now, go back and listen to the beginnings of the last segment and, and actually the whole show. It's just been rich. So, um, Kim, as we wrap up today, uh, what have we missed? What, what is it that you really want to hit home here at the end of our podcast today? Well, I think that as as a manager, reviewing performance with people is really important. And one of the other things that you have to do to help people be successful is to help them prepare to have a good performance. 
So not only reacting to what's the performance that you just had and how do we do it better next time, but when they're getting ready to start off, to say, okay, what's your plan? How are we going to set ourselves up to be successful in this performance? I mean, I know as a coach, when I work with kids, at the end of their race, I ask them, how did it go? But at the beginning of their race, I ask them, what's your plan? What are you trying to do here? And asking those questions ahead of time has great value too. So Larry, I want to give it back to you. What kinds of questions can you ask to help people prepare to have a great performance as a manager? And this is another experiment at the end of this chapter in the book. Uh, thank you. I, th- this set of questions I also have served me well. I got these from a consultant years ago. I don't even re- remember what my situation was, but this individual was a very seasoned, uh, knowledgeable consultant, and I asked him uh, for his advice about my situation, and he he asked me these questions, and it just hit me right between the eyes. The first question is, what are your desired outcomes for this event? Uh, and why. So somebody's going into a meeting or they're going into an important uh, situation with a client. Maybe things have gone wrong and they're they're going into a meeting with the client and uh, they know that the client's upset and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so he, he said to me, what are your desired outcomes and why? And I was able to answer that question. But then he stopped me cold with the following question. How likely is it that your plan of action will achieve your desired outcomes and why. And the reason it hit me cold was I realized, oh, my God, my desired plan, my plan of action is unlikely to achieve the outcomes I want. I wasn't connecting those two things. And so these are questions that have served me well in all kinds of business situations where I've got clarified outcomes, but somehow or other, the way I want to behave, the way I'm driven to behave by my natural uh, tendencies, my themes, as as we have discussed in here, my character traits, the 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 way I am emotionally driven to behave is is in many cases unlikely to achieve the outcomes I desire, and it helps me then consciously move away from those sorts of behaviors and ask myself the question, what, what kind of behaviors will, in fact, uh, achieve the outcome I want? So they've been very, very helpful to me. And then the third question, after people have gotten done with those, is what concerns you and why? And that puts you in a position to sort of anticipate these issues and prepare for them. So those three questions, I, I can tell you, are among the most valuable questions I've ever been taught. You know, it occurs to me, Larry, just in this moment, and this is why books have second editions, that I wish we could add a fourth question right now. (laughs) Because I think the other question I would like to ask is, what are you the most excited about and why? Oh, cool. Very nice. Yeah, because, again, it gets you into, for that person, what's the trigger? What's What's your motivation? What do you really care about? Um, and it helps you think about how to set them up for success in the future. Terrific. There's two final questions that you and I both really value. And that, and the, these questions can be used in a wide variety of situations. And the, the first one technically isn't a question, but we use it as one. Tell me more. So you're listening to a client, you're listening to an employee, you're listening to somebody you're coaching, uh, they've answered a bunch of questions, we've given you a bunch of questions, uh, and you can just say, tell me more. And that's a trigger. And oftentimes what people say after the tell me more is a lot more important and valuable than what people said before you prompted them with that stimulus tell me more. It's very similar to, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? It just, tell me more. And if you ask that and then shut up and create silence, 
Silence makes people uncomfortable. And they therefore are motivated to fill that silence with some noise. And often what they what they put into that silence, what they fill it with, is very, very important. So when you're asking questions, make a point. If the person doesn't answer immediately, practice being comfortable just sitting there and looking interested. Because if you sit there long enough to make that person uncomfortable, they will, in fact, say something. And that something is often very, very valuable. So that's tell me more. And before we run out of time, I want to give you the last question. How can I help? What an important question. And I wish I had learned that earlier in my life, but at least I've learned it. And I've learned it by being on the receiving end of it when I've been going through some tough times and somebody who really cared about me sincerely said, how can I help? And even if I didn't have a good answer for them, just the asking, the sincere asking of the question and my knowing, I could name damn near anything and this person would deliver it, whatever I, whatever I say. So um, those two questions, tell me more and how can I help, are, are useful darn near almost every day. So wanted to make sure we covered that before we concluded this podcast. Kim, any final thoughts before we wrap up today? Yeah, those, those questions are just so powerful. Again, because, as we said at the top of the show, they're so open-ended. They just give people the opportunity to shape and frame their response in whatever direction they want to go. And when you get people into that space, you're going to hear what's real. You're going to hear so much more of who they really are, what they really need, what they really value. And it it makes you a better manager. It positions you to make them more successful. And that's your goal as a manager. And in, in the next edition, I would want to include in this chapter the reference to the the fundamental trust that's built up. The higher the level of trust between two people, the more valuable will the answers be. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's a great point. All of these questions happen in the context of your relationship, and the quality of your relationship drives the quality of the answers you're going to get to any kind of question you ask. Thank you both. That is our show for today, Larry and Kim. It is always a pleasure. Um, Thank you to all of our listeners out there joining us today. Remember um, to stay tuned next week. Um, Our topic is kick butt in the right way or accelerating growth. So I hope that's intrigued you enough to join us again next week. Until then, have a great week and manage to make a difference in everyone's lives. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.